Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. My name is Matt Weber, and as part of the ongoing Harvard Education Press Publishing Group series of book talks, we are here with bullying and cyberbullying author Elizabeth Englander. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay, Elizabeth, I mean, let's just jump right into it. In your book, you write, quote, Bullying is a term that is being well bullied. Uh, explain, and it's in your title. Tell us why this term is being bullied and how it's being used. Well, the real problem is that it's being overused. The term is being used to refer to almost anything that hurts somebody's feelings. And uh, really, it needs to be reserved for the kinds of behaviors that are really problematic uh, that happen chronically between kids. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about um, the, the origins of why this subject interested you. You've been doing research and you've been working in this field for many, many years. Why now and why this subject of bullying? And, and there's a lot of books on bullying. What makes this one different? Well, I think that what makes this book different is that it's really designed to be very concrete and very useful for people who are actually in the field. I found myself very frustrated with a lot of the efforts um, towards training and education around these issues because it seems like a lot of times the these really don't focus on what people should actually do. How, how should we change how we're raising children or how we're interacting with them? How should we change how we're teaching them or how they're learning so that these issues can really uh, be reduced instead of sort of talking about them from an academic point of view, which is interesting, but not necessarily very useful if you're in the field. And, and why, why bullying and why this area of research for you from a personal standpoint? Well, I've always been uh, interested in children and violence prevention and abusive behaviors. That's That's been my focus for about 25 years now. Uh, it's really just the fact that this has become such a pernicious issue. And the involvement of digital technology is so much more complicated than it appears at first glance. Um, and my second area of interest was always digital technology and how people use it. So these two things sort of came together uh, to, to form a perfect storm, so to speak. And that was really why I, I became more interested in it. Yeah, it sounds like a perfect marriage. And that'll be a nice segue into, you know, it's bullying and cyberbullying. And a lot of books seem to focus on the bullying side and less on the cyberbullying side. And in your book, you write, uh, cyberbullying, it's neither separate nor equal. Um, is cyberbullying better or worse than bullying? Explain. It's, you know, it's fundamentally different. The first premise you have to understand is that communications in digital environments are fundamentally different than those that happen face-to-face. And once you really get that point, you can begin to understand that this is a type of communication that's poorly understood, but that has a huge impact on kids today and is an enormous influence in their lives. I really believe that you cannot talk about children and social development today without really understanding digital technology and communication and how kids are using these technologies. 
So a term, you know, you mentioned bullying is used, overused. Uh, Cyberbullying, I'm not sure if 100% of the people listening would know exactly how to define cyberbullying. And then your book focuses specifically on cyberbullying, too, within schools and then how teachers can can remedy this. Uh, can you give us a little bit of brief, uh, a bread, better explana- explanation about what cyberbullying is? Well, th- that sounds like a simple question, but it's actually kind of complicated, and here's why. If you look at bullying behaviors and you say, okay, these are intentional behaviors that exploit a power difference to really start an abusive campaign against another child, that that particular definition doesn't translate very well to many of the incidents that we study in the lab uh, that happen online. A lot of what happens online happens either in a sort of negligent way, like it's either by accident, somebody gets misunderstood, or maybe they meet, they intend to be mean, but they don't intend for it to be as um, repeated and cruel as it comes across. So really, the term cyberbullying in a way is very difficult. I think it's more productive just to focus on what's going on socially between kids in digital environments, teaching them how to communicate with each other and what are the common traps that they have to think about in advance and that they have to avoid. And I, I think taking that perspective is a lot more productive than using terms like bullying or cyberbullying or over-focusing on whether something is or isn't cyberbullying. Now, when you were researching this book, uh, I'm curious, where did you draw all of the experiences and the stories and the anecdotes and all the all these moments of bullying and cyberbullying? And was that sort of difficult to, to process and then put together into a book? I, it wasn't difficult for me because I see so many common threads that really stand out. And so it, it really wasn't. And I'm, I'm blessed in that the nature of my work is that I talk to so many children and so many teens, either through the research or uh, in all of the field work that we do in schools. So we really get a lot of perspectives. We get to talk, you know, I talk to thousands of teachers every year. We talk to tens of thousands of kids. And so we get so much information from these groups that um, it's really easy to begin to see all of the commonalities that pop up. And you've really distilled down bullying and, and ways to prevent it in such a really concrete way in your book, uh, in, in a way that I've, I don't think I've ever seen before in a lot of the things I've read about bullying. And you talk a lot about gateway behaviors, and you've even developed a, a nine-second response for teachers regarding gateway behaviors for bullying. Can you explain what a gateway behavior is and then how teachers can learn from this? I'm sure many are listening right now. Well, a, a gateway behavior is a social behavior that's used to express contempt and a power structure. So if I want to show you that I think you're a loser and that I'm more powerful than you are, I don't have to beat you up. And in fact, it would be counterproductive to beat you up because I would just get in trouble. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use social behaviors like rolling my eyes or getting other people to exclude you or stop being friends with you or um, making sure that you really feel small 
And that's going to be my goal, and that's going to be my um, my mo. And those social behaviors are called gateway behaviors. But I think it's really important to note that most of the time, gateway behaviors are not u- being used to bully somebody. They're just kids use them sometimes just to be funny or to look clever. Sometimes they use them to be mean. Sometimes they use them because they're in a fight with a friend. So, what I tell uh, faculty and staff in schools is. Don't look at a gateway behavior and say, oh, that means there's bullying going on. That's really not the issue. The issue is that kids are using these social behaviors inappropriately. So all you need to do is to teach them how you expect them to behave. So if two kids are doing something incredibly rude to another kid, you don't have to sit there and debate with yourself, oh, gee, is this bullying? Isn't it bullying? You know, is this the first time they've done this? Is this the hundred and first time they've done this? You don't have to go through that process. All you have to do is say, you know something? If there's room at the lunch table, it's inappropriate to tell somebody they can't sit there. That's it. It's really very simple. And once kids understand that we have these expectations for their social behaviors, in a sense, you're going to disarm them. They're not going to be as able to bully because they're not going to be able to use these behaviors as often. Elizabeth, in your book, Bullying and Cyberbullying, a a book by Harvard Education Publishing Group, uh, you do delve into the sort of mind of the bully a bit. You know, in the abstract, why is a bully a bully? And then also in the personal, their own personal situations, what is their primary motive? Uh, We don't want to give too much away because we still want people to buy the book, but (laughs) tell us a little bit about what is is behind the, 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 the tough exterior of the bullies in school. First of all, they don't all have a tough exterior. That's that's really the big lesson is there's not one type. There's not just this one type of kid who's a bully, and if a child doesn't fit that profile, it means they're not engaging in bullying. A lot of kids may try out bullying. They look at it and they say, well, maybe if I'm a little mean to somebody, I can up my social status a little bit, uh, you know, get a little bit of attention. So maybe I'll try it out. And I'll see what happens. Do the other kids think I'm cool? Do the adults ignore it? Or do they tell me, hey, cut that out. Don't roll your eyes when people answer a question in class. You know, it's very rude. And then they're going to judge whether or not it's worth it to keep doing it. So rather than focusing on a typology, which I don't think works anymore. I think it worked decades ago, but I don't think it works anymore. I think what we have to do is really focus on these behaviors Don't try to read the minds of the kids we work with, but instead say, what you're doing right there is is really wrong. It's inappropriate, and stop doing it. Elizabeth, you know, this book, it really hits uh, across anyone with children, anyone who's engaged with young folks. uh, This book's going to certainly resonate with quite well, uh, especially teachers and especially parents of young children. when this book comes out, is your hope that they read it? And then what are like some, I mean, it's, it's written in a, such a concrete way. Is your hope that they'll be able to read it and then enact change within the next day? What are some call to actions from the book, sort of general points that they can take with them when they close that book and head into school the next day? Um, absolutely, I think they will be able to take things away. So, for example, after you read the book, you're going to know what to look for and you're going to know what to ask about. And that's a big change because it's been very confusing to really know what kind of things to look for. I also think that the book is going to help us as adults and really emphasizing resiliency among children, talking about 
the connections they make, the support they get from their community, and how much that allows them to not be devastated when somebody is socially cruel to them, especially, um, you know, just sort of um, transiently socially cruel. So I think that it is going to be helpful because once you understand what you need to expect from kids, what you need to convey to them, what you need to look for, and what you need to ask about, then you're really going to be uh, going to feel less futile when you're in the middle of these situations. Okay, and Elizabeth, the, the biggest question of the day, where can people buy the book? Well, the book is being published by Harvard Education Press, so it can be, it can be uh, bought on their website. Um, and uh, apart from that, I think that they're going to be distributing it, so I'm not entirely sure where they're going to distribute it through, but uh, I think they can buy it online. Perfect. Harvard Ed Publishing Group or Harvard Ed Press website. Elizabeth, you've been a great guest. Thanks for contributing to the field in this super important subject, and thanks for appearing on the EdCast today. Thanks so much for having me. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.